Parks Podcast. My name's Austin Parkinson, and uh, I'm joined for episodes five and six with my good friend, the assistant coach at Jacksonville, Dan Beret. Um, you know, this week, I don't know if it's as loaded as last week, but uh, again, a lot of, a lot of great footage. Uh, what, what do you think were some of the themes from this week and kind of where, where do you want to start? You know, Austin, I, I thought the main theme tonight was kind of the other side of Michael Jordan. And obviously he's got a lot of input on, on this docuseries and, you know, th- they're probably a little bit guarded in, in, in some regard, but uh, the, the gambling stuff, you know, they dove into him as a teammate a little bit with the Jordan rules, uh, the, the, the book done by uh, the, the Chicago Sun-Times writer, uh, Sam Smith. And, and I just I thought it was kind of the other side of him. And, and they they dipped on it a little bit in episode five and then came back to it in episode six. And I thought they wanted the viewers to kind of see uh, the, the the vision that had been portrayed some, uh, but certainly not at all during this uh, documentary. What, what did you think? You know, I, I thought the two biggest themes I took away from this week was uh, his cultural impact uh, on two yeah. areas. Number one, the shoes. Um, him wearing the uh, the Jordan ones, you know, for his last game uh, in the, in the Garden, um, but the way that he impacted uh, society uh, from a global standpoint. Nike itself as a company takes off because of one man. Uh, individual players start getting their own shoe because of Michael Jordan. Uh, it reaches a, a global audience. And then I think you fast forward later in the documentary and it talks about the dream team and when they went to Barcelona and then the tentacles of that. And although that was obviously more than, you know, more than Jordan, he was the main guy. And uh, you got guys like Dirk Nowitzki and Giannis and Luka Doncic that the NBA is now a, a global game. And I think it goes right back to uh, 92 and, 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 and even players before that, their interest in Jordan uh, and the Bulls. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that that's a, that's a good point as well. And you think about uh, the, the dream team and kind of the coming together of they brought up Isaiah Thomas again and, and you can you can tell that there there was there was an issue there with Michael. But I, I thought the some of that Tony Kukoc stuff uh early, early in the episode of episode five uh when when they were uh over there in Barcelona mm-hmm. that th- that stood out to me a little bit because you think about uh recruits today and they get a lot of hype when they're in high school and you know, the coaches will drive that hype at times if they're excited about a certain player. Mm-hmm. So what you have is is a GM who, who had signed Tony Kukoc and he's still going to play overseas for a couple of years before they bring him over. And then, you know, that, that reminded me almost like an open gym during the summer of the veteran players on a team uh, trying to prove that, Hey, this is, this is our turf and this is my team and you need to find a way into it versus us catering to you. We've been hearing about you for a year from these coaches that signed you this past November. And we're going to let you know that you're going to need to fit with us versus uh, the other way around. I thought it was interesting because you've got two dynamics there. Uh, and I think about it from the other side of Tony Kukoc, who had 
no idea, no clue that any of this was going on. And, uh, right. you know, for him, I look at it of like, he's walking into a, uh, you know, a hostile situation that he's completely unaware of where you look at the Isaiah stuff. And, and I thought the, they did a good job. I mean, I'm sure Jordan had some say so in him not being there, but, uh, right. goes back to this. And even in, in, in coaching, you know, what do you think about a player as talented? Jordan clearly says Isaiah was the second best point guard, you know, behind magic shows him that respect, but also the factor Isaiah had beef with magic. He had beef with bird. He had beef with Pippen. He had beef with, you know, Jordan that even at the highest level, even though they were going to dominate uh, the camaraderie factor, you know, Jordan flatly states, he's like, it wouldn't have been the same camaraderie. How does that impact, you know, the teams that you've coached uh, and the level of success? And, and sometimes maybe when it determines on whether to bring a certain player uh, into your roster. Yeah, we, we kind of touched on this a, l- a little bit roster management uh, in, in previous episodes in regards to the Dennis Rodman case take, taking a risk on. Um, but I think also somebody that can blend well in the locker room. And, and, and you make a great point there. I had forgot that part in the episode where, you know, Jordan is basically saying, look, it, it wasn't me that did this. And there were other players on the team uh, that had beef with Isaiah. And uh, it's important that there can be um, a mutual respect and a, and a group that can go together uh, when, when you're fighting, uh, for the same cause. And clearly th- those guys did not think Isaiah would blend as well as some of the other guys. Now, I, I don't know who would have been at the bottom of that roster. That was as loaded of a team as you can put together. Obviously Christian Leitner was on the team. I, I think that was a predetermined thing that they were going to have a college player. Um, and I, I don't know ultimately who would have been bumped off, but you know, th- those practices were, you know, they, they highlighted on that. And we, we've seen that before in the Dream Team documentary uh, of that 92 team. And uh, it, it's always good to go back. But, you know, I mean, maybe Larry Bird, you know, I didn't realize that he really ha- ha- had taken a back seat with his injury. And, you know, they, they showed the clip of him kind of sitting down in practice. And, and, and the way that Magic made it seem and, and Charles made it seem is, he he was not in that top ten. Whether hey, we're going to start this five one game, we're going to start the next five the next game, and and Larry might may not have been in that mix. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, Larry didn't play nearly as much. I, I loved seeing any of the footage with you know Bird and Magic and Jordan you know together. It did get feel a lot like um, there wasn't a lot of new. Uh, information, you know, during those parts, Michael Jordan airtime. Yeah. The USA documentary. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff we'd seen the practices in Monte Carlo and the takeover and uh, you know, whatnot. But one thing I did like that I thought was unique this time around, you know, we had heard the controversy before in regards to uh, MJ wanting to cover up the Reebok logo. What I didn't know that it was uh, not an impulse thing uh, that he had planned that out in advance. Yeah. I I had not seen that scene, The, 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 in the car, when he's in the passenger seat and they're driving through Spain. I had not seen that one before. And I thought that was interesting because his thought process, I mean, genius, uh, who's going to argue with the American flag? You know, that's the one right. thing, you know, you really can't make uh, too much too much controversy about. I want to back up. There was a lot of hype coming to this episode uh, with the Kobe Bryant stuff. I know how I felt about um, the footage. I was curious what you thought, uh, what they showed and, and uh, you know, kind of what you took away from it. 
I honestly thought there was going to be more the way that it was kind of built up through today on Twitter. Um, and, you know, and I've listened to different podcasts with Jason Hare and he said, he said last week in some interviews, Hey, the, the episode five is going to be the Kobe episode. Um, but it was really just that, that first five minutes. And, you know, I don't know if they had, had edited some things out, uh, since since Kobe's uh, accident earlier this year or, or not, but I thought it was good. Um, I was expecting more, but, you know, like Kobe always does in his interviews, he, he always credits Michael Jordan. Um, you know, he was always wanting to learn from him. And and I was I was curious, you know, I didn't know the timeline of all of uh, Jordan's talks, they clearly happened before, uh, you know, 2020, I think, you know, they've been doing them over the last probably year or two. Um, but, but thinking about Jordan speaking, uh, at, at Kobe's funeral, uh, you know, and that, that was just a, a great 10 minutes into their relationship that, that I really didn't know was as deep as it was. And you could tell that a little bit tonight with, with what Kobe said. I think tomorrow you're going to hear a lot of the pundits talk about the, what you said, that there was a lot of hype. There was going to be more of, uh, of the Kobe stuff, but I did hear from you know, the director mentioned that they didn't go back and reshoot anything after okay. you know, Kobe's tragic passing. And uh, I actually thought it was great. I thought it was right. You know um, it wasn't too much. Uh, I thought Kobe's quotes were great and that he talks about Jordan kind of paving the way for him that uh, you know, and, and, we all knew growing up uh, after Jordan, you know, as Kobe was coming up, a lot of the stuff, the fade away, the way he chew his gum, the way he talk, uh, you know, he did that in the same way that Michael uh, did things. And, uh, but I, I love the, the footage. I, I actually thought it was funny seeing a behind the scenes of. I'll see you down the road. Well, not just that, but I also like the other all-stars talking about Kobe talking yeah. about, he's going to go one-on-one, you know, this, this young guy, yeah. and this, that, and the other. Right. And and there's always that, you know, that Michael Jordan would have been that guy. They all would have been that guy at one point. And you wonder what they really do talk about um, in an all-star setting. And then I like Larry Bird's speech of coming in and saying, Hey, we're here. We might as well win. Let's go. And uh, right. that was something right. a little bit different. Yeah. And it, it probably is a little bit kind of like the, you know, the, the Tony Kukoc thing, like, Hey, let's, let's go, let's go attack this guy. And there's probably a little bit of that when there's a new star in the league and you have a bunch of veterans in the other locker room and, uh, you know, a looser setting, like an all-star game. And, you know, why not use that opportunity to, you know, n- knock, knock a newcomer down and let them know that, that, Hey, this is our league and you need to find a way to, to join it. What'd you think of the, uh, and you probably heard a little bit before, but they expounded on it. Some Jordan selecting Nike in the way that that whole, whole deal went down. I, I thought it was, yeah, I, I've heard some of the stuff and, and I didn't realize that Adidas was his favorite brand. I, I, I probably had seen that at some point and forgot what I thought, and you you mentioned it a little bit earlier, that they showed that commercial with Magic and Larry and a couple other guys, and it was almost like the Converse shoe was, you know, like a team shoe now. You know, it had all the different colors, and each year, you know, teams, whether you're Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, you're going to get 
and, and you're going to show up and you're going to see another school that has got the, the same branding as you do. And, and they're going to have the same shoe and their color. And that's how it was back then, which, you know, I was, I was too young for that, but to, to, to see it was, was a little bit odd. And, you know, I like the the point you made about Jordan back in the garden with the uh, with, with the the Jordan one. And I wanted to ask you, Austin, what is your favorite Jordan? Do do you own any Jordans now? And well, and if to, so, or if not, what is your favorite one? Uh, the Jordan forty fives uh, are up in my box. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I got those too. Yeah, that's uh, that's that, those were my favorites. I thought they were the 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 coolest look, and uh, I like that you know guys would wear it even you know not playing basketball. You know, you'd see them in suits, you'd see them in jeans, that kind of thing. But I, I thought it was it was um, I'd read it in the in the book uh, that you know I think it's Shoe Dog. Uh, you know, Nike was known as a track company, um, and then mm-hmm. uh, Michael Jordan's mom essentially changes the whole thing by you know, making him go to that meeting and the Michael Jordan, uh, making 126 million, their goal was to make 3 million. They make 126 million that, you know, that first year, one thing they didn't touch on. I was surprised about, don't you remember there were some points, uh, early on in his career when he had the individual shoe that the NBA banned it, um, from being worn. And, uh, that kind of, you know, increased the interest even more of kind of a rebel, you know, him having his own shoe. And I loved, you know, the quote from Nas saying that, uh, the, the, the Nike Jordan, you know, shoe was like having a lightsaber and, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake talked about, you know, the release of the Jordan shoe and saving up your money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about, it, you always used to check the date and the foot locker and, yeah. you know, if you didn't get there in time or you weren't out there waiting, you usually didn't get the shoe. Hey, they, they just released the Jordan fives and, and, and my, my three-year-old Jake does not know it, but he, he's got a uh, birthday gift coming in November. You know, I, I love the re-releases. Um, it feels a little bit like the original releases. Um, yeah, it, it was, it, it was good to see some of that stuff. And, and they, they, they did not touch on that. You know, the original one was the the black and red mm-hmm. and there's that famous interview with David Letterman where, you know, he, he's, you know, they kind of make it a racial thing, but, but joking uh, along the same lines and, and it were David Letterman, you know, makes a comment on, you know, this is what you see in the NBA. And, and then Jordan says, well, what was wrong with the shoe? And he's like, well, well, this, this new shoe's got a lot more white in it, you know? And then they touched on that a little bit with the, uh, you know, where, where Jordan has that, that famous line, uh, Republicans buy shoes too. And, you know, trying to stay out of that race in North Carolina. And they went into that a little bit and I, I thought it was good. And, and, uh, you, you know, just some of the stuff you've heard before. Well, I thought the, the thing about the Republicans buy sneakers to comment was interesting because I know a lot of people wanted to hear, uh, more about that. I think a lot of people uh, wanted MJ to have more of a point of view, especially in a situation like that, where it sounded like the Helms guy was, uh, uh, you know, just a bad candidate and, 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 you know, right. uh, had created a lot of uh, racial controversy and, and they wanted him to step up. And uh, one thing I thought was interesting, and this is what I was going to ask you, do you think that Jordan didn't enter into those political arenas uh, because of, of money, because of image, or because of just his singular focus? and uh, Or is it a combination? 
It's probably a combination. And, and honestly, you know, they went into some of it towards the end, you know, as they won that, that third championship, just how much the media was wearing on him. And, and every day, every minute, you know, he, he gets out of the elevator and there's people and they, they went into this. He gets out of the elevator. There's people he gets out of his, his locker, gets out of the shower. There's people, you know, he, he steps on the court. There's people. And m- maybe it just had to do with, Hey, I'm not, I just don't want to deal with any more questions that don't have to do with basketball, um, you know, which touches on your ultimate goal. And then, you know, is that the reason? I don't know. It's probably a a combination of all of them, like you said. Well, I know it was brought up at the time and obviously it was a, it was talked about, but not to the level I think today. And I think we're looking through it in a different prism. Um, The NBA is much uh, more supportive of, of people standing up for social injustice and um, the different things. A lot of the athletes, you know, I think you got to give LeBron a lot of credit in that area. Uh, Chris Paul, other guys like that that have come out uh, and, and taken a stand. But also it comes with Adam Silver is also helping support that agenda. David Stern was about business and it was a different time. And so I think we're looking through it a, di- a different prism, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that they talked about it. And it was interesting to see Jordan's comments about it. What do you think about uh, the uh, Drexler? I loved the commentary of Magic and Jordan sitting in a room the night before the 92 finals with an opportunity to uh, go against a guy that uh, they had uh, drafted, the Blazers had drafted, you know, Sam Bowie uh, ahead of him, you know, in the 81 or 84 draft or whatever it was. But to just, 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 you know, hey, Drexler, he's not on my level. What'd you think of that? Right. And there seemed to be a theme a little bit tonight with, you know, Jordan using different things to, to motivate him. And, you know, that was one of them. Um, you know, I think Barkley a little bit, um, the, the, the coup coach thing, you know, that, that, that was a kind of a reoccurring theme in, in the episode, but you know, the, the, the thing about the, First of all, him and Magic playing cards the night before, you know, what all this had entail, how late are they up, but <laughs> does it matter? You know, probably not. The game's probably at eight o'clock local time anyways. Um, you know, so they probably have a later shoot around if they, if they were taking one. Uh, but, but more importantly, you know, Jordan wasn't a great three point shooter. So I, that, that was kind of part of it. You know, he hit six threes, scores 35 points in the first half. Um, and, and clearly had something to prove in that series uh, against the Trailblazers. And, th- and then you have uh, Michael Wilbon saying, "Was the '92 team the, the best of the of those six championship Bulls teams?" He he, he thought it might have been. Yeah, I mean, I still take the '72 win team with uh, right. you know, Rodman and Kukoc and those guys that were uh, you know additional factors involved. Uh, I call, I don't know if you caught this, but when Jordan hit his fourth three, Marv Albert says, and it ties an NBA record. Like that shows you how limited the, the three point shooting was then versus right. you know now. I mean, you know, Steph Curry might have four in the first five minutes of a game, uh, right. you know, in the NBA Finals, and and I thought that was uh, interesting. I also thought. Kraus again uh, comes out. He got roasted a little bit tonight. Well, he comes out again and says it's the organization. He doubles down on it. You know, yeah, we got the players, but it's one through. This is the greatest organization. And, you know, it'd be interesting in this era 
with uh, social media, the 24-hour talk shows, I don't think that the the end of the bowls would have been allowed because I'm not sure Kraus would have still been the GM. Yeah, and and it's just it, the, the, uh, we had talked about earlier in, the, in in the podcast. You know, when did when did stuff start to go down or go south with Jerry Kraus? And there there you have it. They, I think it was the '92 season where Jordan says to him, "You know, don't don't smoke the cigar; it'll stunt your growth." <laughs> yeah, and it's just, yeah, it, it it probably wouldn't have gone down because it's it's a player driven deal. Um, but but it's it's hard to say because he did draft those guys, he did assemble the team, he did pick the coach, so there's a a lot of credit to be given t- towards him as well. But but eventually, I think you know it, it would have uh, the players would have won out. Well, on top of that, he was he found Tony Kukoc. And again, he did a great job of putting this rosters together, but he couldn't get out of his own way. He's negotiating with Kukoc, but not paying Pippen. And, um, you know, again, uh, you can see where some of these issues began to surface. I do think it was interesting. Uh, we've all heard about Jordan and, and Pippen going after Kukoc, but his bounce back in the championship game. And uh, I read an article this week on Kukoc and how level headed he was, uh, you know, because he didn't have the perspective that these guys are coming after him. But when he got there, uh, Pippen really took him under his wing and uh, helped him to be a really good pro. And, um, you know, he said he could average 20 on a lot of other teams, but, you know, he said to be part of the greatest team in, you know, the history of uh, the NBA was something that he wouldn't trade. And I also thought it was interesting him not coming over because of the financial aspect. I don't think we realized that he was making not just like thousands of dollars, but millions more overseas than here right. he would have in the NBA. And, you know, clearly financially, especially with the things his family had gone through difficulty wise, you know, why would you want to come over, you know, other than the NBA being the focal point, um, you know, of the, the NBA universe. Right. Right. Yeah. I, th- I thought the same thing. And and then, you know, he comes over in his first years when, when Jordan's playing baseball and then, and then he's hyped up by, by Jerry Cross. And we kind of talked about the, the dynamic that that could weigh on a locker room, but, but Jordan was gone. Horace Grant was gone. So it was a little bit of a new team. And, and I thought he did a great job blending and accepting and, and playing that role of the sixth man on those, uh, th- those last three championships. I think my favorite parts of the episode are when you get little glimpses into true realities. And one of those is the part they did on the tickets and controlling the tickets. And we all know yeah. doesn't matter what level you are, you know, everybody always wants more tickets and Randy Brown walking back in there and say, I don't, I don't care where the ticket is just next to God. And yeah. He says, you're talking to it. And right. Right. you know, immediately Jordan wants to cut it. Brown wants to keep it. But right. You know, I think that was uh, some insight into MJ's, you know, real, uh, you know, real mindset. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And yeah, you, you mentioned that and you just wonder what it's like at, at, at that level to, to that extreme. And, and you heard the ticket manager talk about it when they're on the road. You, you, and and it, like you said, we, we all face these battles, you know, you're on the road, you're a little bit capped, you know, who, who gets the good seats, who doesn't. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, they, they continue to show the, the security guards and, and Michael says we need security on security. I, I think the, 
the the footage of the 98 season, the 97, 98 season is probably my favorite part of it because I've watched the Michael Jordan playground, Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan airtime above and beyond, you know, all the Jordan videos, you know, that, that was kind of my deal growing up. And to see the 97, 98 season that has not been released is, is probably my favorite part of the documentary. And I think they're starting to show more. And I hope that they really do in the last four episodes, particularly in the playoffs. And I, I want to get your take on this. W- what do you think of the back and forth? It's easy for me because I, like I alluded to, I've seen all of the, uh, you know, the previous videos, the documentaries, so I, I can follow it r- rather quickly. Uh, but what, what is your take on the back and forth, the, the amount of time spent on the 98 season? I do wish they'd spend a little bit more time on the 98 season. Yeah. It seems like, uh, you know, we are covering some things I, I thought, but I heard last week, I heard a couple of guys that didn't like three, you know, episodes three and four. I love three and four. I, I yes. thought, I thought we learned a lot, um, you know, last week, especially with Phil Jackson and some of the behind the scenes, uh, you know, commentary there. Uh, but the 98, you know, season, uh, Jordan being his last season, you know, I do like the way they go back and forth. Um, you know, the storytelling of it, because again, the other part about it is we're seeing it through that prism. I do think, you know, this generation, uh, you know, needs to, to be caught up on, you know, all right. these controversies. And as we head into episode six, um, episode six starts off with the fishbowl that Michael Jordan was living in and him being in the hotel by himself. And I thought that was great footage showing, I mean, not just going to the training room, going to the locker room, going to the hotel. I mean, everywhere right. he went, he was mobbed. What do you think that was like? And, uh, you know, how do you think that, do you think that impacted uh, him wanting to walk away when he did? Probably. I mean, you know, I think that when, when you're going through that every day, uh, you know, for he'd probably been when he walked away, he'd probably been under that microscope for, you know, four or five years where he was considered the best player in the NBA. Um, and it's it, it's got to be taxing. Um, you know, you're talking about 82 games. You're facing the media after after and in some cases before you see that clip of Seinfeld and, and they're, they're they're kicking him out of the locker room, uh, you know, b- before the game. Um and it just looked like a circus show in there uh, as they're playing at Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, I, I, I can't comprehend what it's like. And I think there's only a few athletes that have been to that level where and, and you know, who knows how it is now for for the LeBron Jameses, the Tiger Woods who have to deal with the stuff we're seeing from this documentary with the social media stacked on top of that. I mean, imagine LeBron James having to deal with like if, if he did that Atlantic city stuff, he would get crushed. Mm -hmm. And, and the Jordan thing was a story, but it's probably more of a story now that we're rewatching it than, than it was at the time. And, you know, you think of the guys like LeBron tiger, those guys would just get crushed for things like that. 
I do think it was interesting seeing Jordan's, he seems so present though, in every situation. Um, yeah. And maybe that's just his awareness of his image, but uh, he never seemed to really get rattled uh, in any of those scenarios. I like the 98 footage where you see behind the scenes, him playing quarters uh, with, uh, you know, his, his bodyguard, you might say. Yeah. I love the MJ shrug by the one guy uh, when he beats, you know, when, oh, he, when, he, when he takes <laughs> yeah. his money. Um, yeah. You know, there's that quote uh, in the Batman movie that um, you either live, you know, die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And it felt like that 93 season. And and I think recently with the Golden State Warriors, you know, with all the winning they'd done, people wanting to see them fall and, and see yeah. them come. You they know, build and, you up, say tear you down, I think and, was and, the quote tonight. Exactly. Yeah. And it seemed like that in 93. You have the Atlantic City deal. You have the uh, article come out, uh, or the I mean, the book with the guy that you know gambling issues. Michael and me. Michael and me, and and then the guy Slim that he owed fifty seven thousand dollars to, and I thought you know David Aldridge painted a good picture of like you know your ten thousand and Jordan's ten thousand. That's that's way different. Ten dollars, yeah, exactly. What was your take on the gambling? Do you think it was a big deal? Uh, do you remember it being as big a deal as that? You know, they talked about in the documentary. I mean, you know, I, I was young and, and I, I remember it, you know, you, you heard, obviously we've all heard the, you know, is he out of the league because of some gambling debt or, or, or what have you, you know, is it a problem? I think like you pointed out the David Aldridge puts it in perspective that it's, it's probably relatively under control. You know, the guy's a competitive guy and, and does he have a gambling problem? No. Like he said, do I have a co- competition deal? Yeah. That, that's kind of the thing that I have. And I, I never saw a problem with it, but again, he, th- this is a guy that, that has been, you know, revered by me, you know, since, since an early age. Here's how I look. I look at it this way. The man had no free time to be a human being, none. Right. So the only right. places he could go and you hear it is, he could go play cards. He could go back to his hotel room where he could get on the golf course for some privacy. All right. Right. The other part about that is few people, uh, you know, on planet earth, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, uh, you know, Magic Johnson, guys like that, the high that they get with winning a championship with being the man, you know, putting up 55 scoring, you know, 60 with your back against the wall, whatever the case may be. To get that, that, you know, the endorphins, the high that you get from that, I imagine the gambling is that fix. And it's that way to kind of achieve a little bit of that high that you got when you were a player. And at the same time, you look at the circumstance and, you know, what else was he going to do? And so I didn't think it was that, um, you know, that bad. I do remember at the time it was blown for that era of media, it was blown up. Uh, what I didn't remember them going down 2-0 to the Knicks also were the series 2-1-2, two, two, I'm sorry, was it 2-2-1-2-1? Two, two, one, uh, one. What, what, what was the way they, they did it backwards because they started the uh, Knicks? Uh, yeah, I, I think it, uh, until the finals, which it, it kind of goes back and forth with the finals here today, uh, but uh, I've before the finals in the case with the Knicks Eastern conference finals, I think it was two, two, one, one, one. And 
the, the, the one thing that, that, that I need to look up and I, I wrote this down cause I've heard Jeff Van Gundy be interviewed a couple times about, you know, this bulls era over the last month. And he always says in, in every interview that he's done during this time, he has said, Hey, we were up two Oh, and, and we were coming off of, uh, Jordan dealing with the Atlantic city stuff and Jordan goes something like three for 14 in game three. Now th- they made it seem like he had, you know, he was back to dominance once they got back to Chicago, but some of the clips were Scotty passing it to Horace and, and other players. And then I, I, you know, Jordan had, I think 54 in game four, but we need to look up game three and see what he did because the way that, uh, Jeff Van Gundy p- portrays it as, hey, that was a time we could have capitalized and we lost to the Bulls by 15 and, and Michael didn't have his best game. Well, I loved Riley's quote, you know, talking about if he comes through the lane and, and you don't knock him down, you're going to be embarrassed. And obviously they showed right. some of those violent, you know, dunks. Right. You uh, can't let him dunk on you. Yeah. yeah. And the different moves that he had. Um, you know, the other thing I was going to ask is I had a lot of buddies uh, texting me just their routine after the games, uh, you know, they show a little insight and, you know, they're having a couple cold beers after the game. Right. I thought that was great. Cause it, that, that was the 98 season. And, and it, it just shows, uh, it, uh, you know, full disclosure, look at, at what it was like. And, you know, it's him and, and Harper and Pippen. And, and then he goes to do the interview. So he has a beer loosens up after the game and Pippen's like, Hey, we're talking during the game. What do we, what do we want? I, I want a cold beer after this one. Well, for you and I, there's nothing better than hoops and golf. And, uh, you know, if you're Jordan, you're on top of the world. I love the scenes where he, he can't wait to get to the golf course. I mean, that one scene where he's rushing Scotty out of there and trying to we gotta drive. go. We yeah. got to come on, Phil. Come on, Phil. He's got a, he got a tea time. He's got to get to. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, you know, he does a little bit of the silent treatment and, uh, you know, during that, that one season. And uh, then he does the interview with Madra shot in 93. And uh, I thought the uh, Jordan gets a lot of free passes by us Jordan fans. You know, if LeBron did that today or even Kobe, you know, they would be in the, the news cycle for, you know, weeks on end. So he had his dad come out and his dad's the one that kind of uh, shielded the, you know, the, the uh, controversy for him. And then he does the interview with Ahmad Rashad with the glasses on. Yeah. With the sunglasses. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of a, a bizarre, you know, bizarre deal. Um, but again, I think the part that always amazes me is his ability to rise, you know, above all those things and still perform at the level he performed. Yeah. I mean, in the Phoenix series was odd because the, you know, they win in Phoenix, they, they you know, they, they have a couple hiccups at home. They can close it out in game five and then they, they barely close it out in, in game six. And, you know, the, a lot of it is, you know, Paxson is compared to Kerr, you know, Kerr hit the big shot against Utah in 97. And then, you know, Paxson is called on uh, in that, in that 93 series. But yeah, I mean, Michael clearly rose, rose above. Uh, but I, I did think it was interesting seeing Charles Barkley, you know, make threes, you know, you forget a little bit about Charles with all the greats and he, he was, he was pretty darn good himself. Well, I'll tell you what I am tired of hearing about is how Jordan didn't go against anybody. And there was a, right. a, a tweet about him being guarded by, you know, Danny Ainge. Well, Danny Ainge was a three sport 
you know, athlete. I mean, uh, could have played in the NFL, could have played Major League Baseball. I mean, th- these weren't, sl- you know, sl- slackers out there on the defensive right. side of things. And, you know, Dan Marley, you could clearly, you know, Kraus uh, raved about Dan Marley's. You know, oh, thunder. that was the other one. Yeah. That was the other one. J- Jordan used that again to, to motivate him. Yeah. 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 Thunder Dan. And uh, so, so again, I thought the whole, you know, defensive schemes that, that Jordan went against nobody. I, I, I completely disagreed with that. I love seeing Charles because I do. I do remember how great Charles was and uh, remember how dominant he was during that time period. And um, I never felt like the Bulls were in trouble. But if they'd gotten to a game seven in Phoenix, it would have been, um, you know, would have been interesting to, to say the least. I love the comment. Uh, you know, Charles wanted to make sure that they didn't get to celebrate in Chicago. And then Jordan gets on the plate and says, Hey, I'm bringing one suit. One uh, suit. Yeah. Know, that was suit. great. Let's get this. Yeah. You know, we're going to, we're going to win this championship. Yeah, that, that was good. And, and, you know, the, you hear coaches kind of saying the, those type of things, like, you know, when you're going into game seven on the road and it's, it's not the last series of the season, you know, pack your bags. Cause you know, we're going to Miami after this or what have you, you know, the, the, I really like that as well. Another uh, just random point, uh, MJ's cigar consumption is uh, heavy, heavy duty uh, for, you know, again, I, I wasn't a cigar guy, but man, I mean, I, I can't believe it didn't take any toll uh, on his conditioning uh, or anything like that. Cause it seems like he's smoking one, you know, every time that the, the camera bus on. playing golf course, I mean, like you said, all the above. Yeah. And then, uh, you mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but the the Phil Jackson's pulse of the team, you know, where he gives uh, his team off, um, where where a young coach may want to practice them, and how that rejuvenated them both mentally and physically for the stretch run. Yeah, the, I think yeah, Michael said you know a young coach might have done this, but but Phil knows we need a break. I, I think it's, it's important. And, you know, we've touched on it a little bit. And when you get into the thick of the season, it's amazing what a little mix up can do, uh, you know, from the general routine, you know, can you, can you show up at practice? And if they, if they beat a drill, that's normally done early in the practice and you, and they accomplish it, you know, can you say, all right, that's it for the day, fellas. Or, you know, a lot of coaches have done the, you show up and and we're going to play wiffle ball or we're going to go bowling or, or, or no practice or, Hey, we're, we're not going to lift today. Uh, there's a lot of different things that can really just ignite a team during, during a stretch run when you know you need it. And, and Phil Jackson was the best at that. One of the other themes that was interesting to me was, and I think we're getting to Jordan's first retirement, but in both instances, it was outside influences that I think, uh, caused him to retire. Um, you know, the media situations, uh, and in 93, um, and, and some of the other events that we'll get to, I don't want to give anything away there. And then 98, you've got the Jerry Krause, uh, you know, Phil Jackson is no longer going to be the coach and he wants to basically break things up, but it wasn't the players. It wasn't them. Now at the same time, did that break rejuvenate Jordan? Did that that break uh, give him a sense of, uh, you know, everybody had expectations. We're just going to win, win, win. That gave him a fresh start. And and maybe it caused me to look through a different lens with LeBron. And, you know, I've never been a big fan of LeBron's jumping around. 
But, you know, you think about it, uh, you know, he's had no breaks, uh, you really outside of, you know, last year with the Lakers not making the playoffs. And you wonder if in his case, it wasn't retirement. It was just, hey, I got to get to a new situation just to keep myself fresh uh, with all the controversies or with all the coverage that, that goes into, uh, you know, these athletes from an outside you know, perspective. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's Don, the, 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 the great uh, Don coach, Don Meyer that says, you know, at, at certain points in the season, he, he would take a different drive to work every day. And, and that's just the case here. You know, you have, uh, you know, Jordan, you saw the wear and tear that was happening at the end of the 93 season. He goes to play baseball and now he comes back and it's a completely new challenge. You know, would the Bulls have won six in a row? Maybe, but but that that would have been really difficult to do. The two separate three peats were like it's almost two different challenges. You know, there were new guys in the locker room. He had done the baseball thing, and and people you know forget, and they'll probably get to it. Is you know when they 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 lose to the Magic. You know, the year he, he he sits the one year out, the Bulls lose to the Knicks. He comes back the next year late in the season. We we've talked about that a little bit in '95, and they, they lose to the the the. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway magic. Uh, but yeah, I think no question with LeBron James, you know, he, he is said as such, he, he never went to college. So he gets drafted by Cleveland. So he's still in his, his basically his hometown and his escape to Miami was a little bit like, Hey, this is a kid going to college. Uh, and, and it's a new challenge. And then he comes back and, and he, he's back in Cleveland. And I think it's a very similar comparison to, to what Jordan did with baseball. Another thing I thought I've gotten, and I'm trying to compare it with, you know, us watching Jordan, how we grew up and, and kind of this generation. And I had another buddy text me saying, man, these guys really did hate each other, you know, when they played. And, uh, you know, I think about, you know, when we came up, you know, we weren't really buddies with, you know, with the other team thinking of Purdue and IU, uh, you know, we hated IU. Uh, there was no, you know, and, and I went uh, and I played AAU with a guy that was on there and we were, you know, we were friends prior right. to, but, um, you know, nowadays, you know, it's just different. Uh, you know, guys don't approach it that way. And I, not that one's right or wrong, but I do like that this generation of players getting to see, you know, their level of animosity for each other and the uh, intensity with which uh, they they brought it. I mean, those, those Knicks, I mean, you could have played a, a loop in the Knicks Pistons. Uh, you just could have flipped the jerseys. I mean, it was just, you know, an absolute uh, war when you tried to get to the rim. Yeah, very similar uh, with the Knicks and the Pistons. I do think it's interesting how, um, you know, you see the clips of, of Patrick Ewing today and, and, and him and Jordan have had rivalries since since college. And and obviously when they're on the court, you know, there's the clip of, of Jordan dunking on Patrick Ewing and, and kind of getting in his face and and and, and the Knicks tra- trading blows with Michael as well. But but they're they're still able to put it aside. You know, Magic and and and, and Michael are, are clearly really good friends. You know, Charles Barkley, you see it with the dream team. You know, those guys had all kind of 
kind of been through the wars, uh, you know, except for except for Isaiah uh, not being there and and they're able to battle, but still be friends. I think it's a really good line that they were able to draw. Hey, we're going to compete. It's all out about about winning. Um, but we're, we're still going to have a, a mutual respect. And when we're together, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be cordial and, and at times more than that. I have been a little disappointed that, you know, this episode, you think about it, we got very little practice footage and, uh, you know, maybe it's going to be, you know, episode seven and eight, nine and 10. Uh, but I thought we were going to get a heavy dose behind the scenes of, you know, Jordan, made it seem like, you know, yeah. Jordan's competitiveness and we're going to see some, you know, eye opening things um, in regards to the footage that they were, you know, the access they had. And, and this week, you know, I didn't I didn't get that. I mean, we do get some of the behind the scenes commentary a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I want to see a little bit more you know, of the practices, uh, especially from a coaching, you know, coaching standpoint. Uh, and and obviously, uh, you know, I'd love to have seen I they probably didn't get many interviews, but I'd like to have seen some Tex winner, um, you know, interviews back then in that 98 season uh, when he was still coaching and, and get a little bit of his perspective, you know, maybe on the triangle and, you know, Scotty and, and, and you know, Rodman and Jordan, how they coexist, uh, you know, within those confines. Yeah, there has been very little practice. I think that that's probably one of the bigger arguments along the same lines is, hey, they're not showing a ton of the 97-98 season. And it was kind of portrayed as, hey, you know, your opinions on Michael Jordan might change based on what what you're going to see. And and we saw some of it in the earlier episodes. I don't think we really saw much tonight uh, practice wise, other than the dream team uh, stuff. And, and yeah, that, you know, there hasn't been any really assistant coach interviews, obviously, uh, you know, Tex winner has passed and, and is no longer with us, but nothing from the, 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 you know, the previous uh, footage from any of the early 90s to mid 90s on, on any of the assistant coaches either. It would be good to get their take because these are guys that that saw Michael every single day. And, and what a treat to be able to coach that guy uh, for, you know, I'm an assistant coach from an assistant coaching perspective. Yeah, and it'll be. I, I do know, you know, we've got the Gary Payton uh, and and Reggie, you know, battles coming up here here soon. So that, you know, that should be interesting. I hope they dive into the the Reggie stuff because they, you know, they definitely, uh, you know, weren't buddy buddy when they played. That's for sure. So uh, and yeah, and 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 then the, well, the ninety not to cut you off the ninety seven ninety eight that that series with the Pacers. I mean. The, the the Bulls they they borderline should have lost that series. I mean they're going down they're they're down going into the fourth quarter of, of Game Seven and they I don't know that the Bulls ever faced a Game Seven on the road, uh, but the, but they did at home there and and they did they did earlier against the Knicks as well I think in '92, uh, but they they easily could have lost that Pacers series. So I'm really looking forward to kind of the behind the scenes footage from from that one and that, that's probably going to be I would think episode. Nine and ten. Well, a little luck played into it too, because Jalen Rose was suspended a game for coming two inches off the bench, you know, during I forgot the that. scuffle. And, you know, he was a big uh, you know, Reggie was kind of their main player, obviously. And then, you know, Rose was putting up pretty good numbers in that series as well. So uh any other any other thoughts from this this uh this week's episodes? 
No, I, I I thought the the part where they they kind of uh, jived with Horace Grant a little bit when he was with the Magic uh, was was pretty good. That was in the regular season, and they they uh, you know they kind of said you know we're used to seeing this guy in the playoffs. We're not sure he's going to be here this year. I like that. And then the the only other tidbit is the all the the ESPN people that are still relevant today uh, th- that are that are in this footage, you know, the Chris Fowlers, Carl Ravitch, uh, obviously R- Robin Roberts is is ABC, which is, uh, you know, owns ESPN, uh, you know, Mark Jones. It's been neat to see those guys if they've kind of progressed through their careers as their their sports center anchors or, or, or fill ins. And, and now they're they're kind of the mainstays of of the network. Last week, you know, Will Bond and, and Jalen Rose were asked on Get Up about, um, you know, what would Jordan average, you know, today? And, you know, I think one said, I mean, it was both of their numbers were in the 40s, yeah, but they had really good reason behind it. And, you know, I had some of the, the you know, commentary, well, those guys are homers and this, that, and the other. But the reality is, you know, Jalen Rose not only played against Jordan, but played against a lot of guys, uh, you know, that, that were close, at least to this era. And then Will Bond's one of the most respected writers, uh, you know, in America. And I think his perspective is always pretty spot on uh, with with what he has to say. And uh, it is neat to see those guys. Uh, you hear a little Dan Patrick. We haven't got any Dan Patrick in the interviews, but, you you know, you heard some Dan Patrick in the background. And you yeah. always see him around Madrashad, his buddy. Uh, yeah. You know, you always see him in the interviews. So, well, another good week. I can't wait for next week. And uh, Dan, it's uh, it's always enjoyable to talk about this. We've got four left and, you know, I wish there were 44 left. So uh, appreciate it and look forward to next week. Absolutely, man. These Sundays have been great. Thanks again, coach. All right, buddy.